It's Barely in Topic, a podcast for Boston Bruins fans by Boston Bruins fans. Welcome to Barely on Topic, podcast for Boston Bruins fans by Boston Bruins fans. And we have just a couple people here today, but that's fine. That's our quorum. Uh, I am VA, of course, and I'm here with Tim. Hello, hello. Yes. Um, you know, Jeff is, uh, well, Jeff is a new father. And even though his, his youngling is, uh, is six months old now, she still requires a lot of effort, as I'm sure that many of our listeners who are parents can attest to. So he will be back when he can be. But uh, we decided to record tonight because, uh, well, I'm feeling well enough to record. Yay. Absolutely. Yes, I am. I am basically housebound. I have to keep my leg up like all the time. So I'm on my back and everything. But surgery went well. Recovery is going well so far. My my leg is not angry anymore. That stopped happening on Saturdays. So that was nice. And uh, so I figured, well, let's do a recording because we haven't done this in like a couple of weeks. And I think it's a good idea. Right, Tim? Absolutely. Now, because great, great idea. It's a great idea. We're going to have fun. Yeah. I know that that Jeff was a little worried, but I was like, nah, Tim and I, we got this. We got this. So. Uh, and Nick, oh, I forgot about Nick. Nick is just, okay, he's part of like 500 bands. Uh, he plays hockey. He has to work, obviously. He, like, I think he played like four or five shows this past weekend with, you know, 15 bands uh, between four different geographical locations within North Carolina. Um, also, they happen to also play uh, Irish music, Celtic music. So that's part of it as well. Oh, yes. Um, the old St. Paddy's Day. You know, being a person of Germanic descent, I often forget about St. Paddy's Day. <laughs> and I'm married <laughs> to a guy who's Irish. So <laughs> he, he's not that big into Irish stuff. He, he considers himself Italian. We are the big melting pot America. So there you go. Tim, you need to find out when there's some Swedish day. Oh, you should celebrate Midsummer. That's what you should do. I don't know when yeah, I should, is, but yeah, you should celebrate that so you can feel akin to your your countrymen, Linus Ulmark and uh, Hampus Lindholm. I'm only saying your countrymen because I just swear you, you've got so much Scandinavian love that you have to be Swedish. I just think so. I have to be. I think I think part of me is and I mean, I do have I don't have the blonde hair, but I have very blue eyes, like very, very blue eyes. There you go. Which could be, could be a sign. Yep. Yep. You could very well be Swedish. So, and it, even if you aren't genealogically Swedish, you're Swedish in your heart and that's all that counts. There you go. Absolutely. So a lot has happened in the last couple of weeks. I would bring up the soft predictions, except I don't exactly remember what they were, except that we were wrong. We were yeah. very wrong. So we'll just start off with that. The Bruins went on their last long road trip of the season, which is good because it was ugly at first. And I think we learned some things about the Bruins in the past couple of weeks. So we're going to freeform this. Let's talk about what we have personally learned about the Bruins in the last couple of weeks. One, okay. that the Bruins are really missing 
Taylor Hall to an extent, but definitely Nick Felino. For sure. I never thought I would say that, except that he's having such a great year and he's just such a, well, he's such a bonding force for them on the ice, off the ice. So it's like they're really missing him. Yep. I think they're, I think the Bruins were four and three since we last recorded. If we go back to the Edmonton game and they had losses to Detroit and to Chicago in there, which aren't great, but. Uh, I learned a couple things about the Bruins. I think, I think they definitely are missing Felino, just his presence. I think more so, more than his presence on the ice. I think his presence in the locker room, like when something is going bad, like kind of just like at intermission, kind of. I think that that's kind of missed. And I know that they have other guys that can talk to talk to the players and stuff like that. I mean, we know the leadership group in the locker room is deep, but it just seems like his, uh, he seems like a calming presence on everyone. That's why they call him uncle Nick. Right. I think he just, I, he, it feels like he makes everything better. Yeah. I think he is a talker. Whereas Bergeron and uh, Krejci, although Krejci, doesn't really wear the a he's still one of the old guys one of the old core bergeron and pasta are not maybe the biggest talkers in that way neither is like charlie mcavoy i think i mean he might be but i i think that nick is the uncle nick is the big talker so he's the guy you want to give you that pep speech when you're coming right. back from the the room and they've been missing that because they faced the red wings in a home and home back and back uh, back to back home and home with less than 24 hours to play and if i'm not mistaken daylight savings time yes (laughs) all of that sucks (laughs) and the first game that they won three to two they didn't play that great no they so like that game yeah they won that one by the skin of their teeth so here's a here's the other thing that i learned and fan bases are very reactionary uh-huh. and things like that. But, and until recently, um, I was part of that very much reactionary. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not immune to that at all. But I, I think we've learned that the Bruins team is still very good, obviously. Like, they didn't just lose it because they lost three games. Like, that's not a thing. And then people were trying to compare them to Tampa that lost in the first round. I mean, no. This is not what's happening here. They, teams go through rough patches in the season. Especially an 82-game season. It's long. It's arduous. It's a grind. There's a reason why people hate it. Like, it's it's takes a lot out of you and we really hadn't had a streak like that all year no nope. they were due well yeah i mean they they lost a couple in a row like i don't know a month ago or something like that or uh going into the the break they they lost some and and coming out of the break so it just to me the sky is falling is always a better narrative for the press for the media for fans than the fact that we just have to be patient and calm and wait for the team to write themselves 
right? So it's yeah. like, I, I didn't get very reactionary. I was just like, oh, okay, I'm a little nervous about this. I mean, you can say that they lost to a Detroit team that is, you know, well, they're not in the playoff structure, but you could also go, well, Detroit is going to be there one of these days. Not this year, not this year, but next year they could very well be in the playoff hunt. And you lost to a team that is playing for basically pride right now. They're not low enough they, that they're going to be in the lottery, really. So they're they're playing for themselves. They're they're playing to prove that they can beat the Bruins. And guess what? In those two games, they did prove, even though they only lost, uh, only won one of them, they proved that they could beat the Bruins. They did prove it, and on on top of all of that, um, as well, uh, they're trying to play to prove that they deserve to be on this team going forward as the team looks to build itself back up. They, they're they trying to prove that they deserve to be part of that. When you're a player or when you're, you have a bunch of players kind of fighting for their careers almost, you're going to run into games like that. And the other thing is, especially in the first game, even though they won it, they were, they kind of got goalied a little bit. Oh yeah. Yeah. I can't remember um, that guy's name, but um, uh, Helberg. It was Helberg. Oh, yeah. Hel- Helberg had them an absolute hell. Like, he, he had him in a box. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He, it, that's the problem with the Bruins this year is that they are running into goalies who've just made it their purpose in life to, to goalie them. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so it's like you'll be sitting there watching a game, you're just like, don't get goalied. Please don't get goalied. I guess it's not the worst thing that ever happens. Let's everybody's got to have their day, but come on guys. But yeah, the, the Saturday game at the, at the uh, garden, they were not, they were not ha- having a great time. They were not proving that they should win that game, but they did. And then the next day, boom, like Detroit just handed them their ass. They're like, here you go. Yeah. I mean, they did. And, I mean, it's it's tough when you have games like that. It sucks when you have games like that, but it's going to happen. And that's just the season. It's just how it is. It's how sports work. You can't predict everything in sports. Right. And and even, you know, I've heard Charlie Coyle say many times this season, everybody has back-to-backs. That's not an excuse. Everybody has these, like, insane schedules. It's not an excuse for why you lose they were beat by the other team. They did not play as well as they could have. Detroit did. They lost. But then the most egregious thing, I think, was losing to Chicago. Yeah. Now, they handily beat Chicago earlier in the season. And Chicago has sold off so much stuff. But they still have enough, you know, enough players in there that that can just ruin the Bruins day. And that's what happened. The Bruins just looked flat. We turned that game off. And I'll tell you why we turned that game off. Because my husband, Glenn, was so just he was so irritated. That he was like, we, I can't watch this. And I said, you know what? We're not going to watch it, honey. We're just not. Let's let's not watch it at all. It's if it's like this bad this early on, because you knew the first goal, you're like, oh, this is not going to be good, is it? And yeah, the Bruins just never came back. So it's like we had to turn it off and it's okay. 
did, does that mean does that mean we're bad fans? No, I don't think it means we're bad fans. I just think it means that when your partner is having a hard time, you should do what your partner needs to have a less hard time. And correct. Yeah. Yes. So that's what we did. So what did we learn from that loss? The Bruins can really, really suck. <laughs> they, they can really, really suck. And also screw players that have produce names. Oh God. I know they got beat. Taylor Radish had a hat trick. If I'm not mistaken. He did. Yeah. Yeah. Like, no, don't get beat by tubers. Okay. Don't get beat by things that grow in the ground. Damn it. Don't, don't do it. And not only did he have a hat trick, he scored all three of them in the third period. Like, yeah, they just, they got beat by a vegetable and that happens, I guess, sometimes. Yeah. Don't get beat by vegetables. That's, that's what we learned because my husband had had problems watching the, the three games there, the two Red Wing games and the Chicago game. We decided instead of watching the Jets, we were going to watch the Pride instead because we did not want to see the Bruins start off poorly. And as it turns out, the Bruins just won that game. Just there you go. No real problems with the Jets. The Jets were supposed to be desperate and hungry for um, for points, and they just didn't really show that they were. So... So what did we learn? Hey, the Bruins can really play against playoff teams because, you know, they're in the playoffs. Yeah, three nothing. Three so. nothing. Yeah. And it was it was a uh, it was a fun game. It was it was nice to win. Swayman was on his game. Um, so that's that was good. Sway kind of had a great week. So also good. I think he got first start of the week um, from the NHL this week. So that's cool. Yeah, back-to-back uh, starts with uh, shutouts, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's great, and it was a nice bounce-back win in in an all god awful place. And I don't regret not watching it because it's like you know you do what you need to have the team win. If you feel like you're a bad if you're bad juju, then you don't you don't watch the game. You just let the Bruins win, and you just go, okay, that's good. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, goals from uh, Frederick, who, oh, my God, we'll have to talk about him in a little bit. Your pal, Zaka, and Noshik. Noshik. I love I love Noshik so much. I know you do. I know you do. And then Saturday, as you can imagine, me all laid up on the couch, having no choice but to watch the Wild because that's who the Bruins are playing. Listeners, you may remember that I have a fairly antagonistic uh, view of the wild because I called them the mild because they're usually not very exciting hockey. I know they have Kirill the Thrill. I get it. But still, I, 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 if you had to watch that wild slash stars series that year where the stars should have had it in four games, but they let it go to five and it was just the most miserable, dull hockey you could imagine in the playoffs. In the playoffs! Okay. If you had to endure that, and then you had to, like, write up shit and try to be clever about it, and then you just couldn't, then you would understand my plight here. So, yeah, I can't stand the Wild. Uh, not to mention that the Wild happened to t- 
come in at times and just you know be stupid and win but this time they did not win because the Bruins totally won that game five to two and it was wonderful absolutely wonderful and what was really great about it was um the wild decided that they uh they were going to try to score two goals but they had to get called back oh yeah yeah no goals That's right appearance yeah so I loved how Linus Olmark said it. He was like, yeah, you know, so you look, you look at the school scoreboard, you're like, I let in three, but then it only says I let in one. So that's not really bad. It's <laughs> 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 not so bad. Uh, that was the uh, game uh, that we learned maybe that the, the Boston video coaches are very, very excellent. I, I actually didn't know there were two. I knew there was one. I knew Matt, Matt Myers was one, but then there's Sean Andrade. So basically one is constantly reviewing face-offs and zone entries and stuff like that. And then the other is uh, someone who I think uh, calls down to the coach when they see something. Yeah. They all, yeah. Cause I think they're, they haven't lost the challenge yet. No, no, they've been successful in every challenge this season, including two oh. in that game. They got the puck after the game, which was amazing. Uh, Jeremy Swayman just handed them the puck. So, and usually, uh, Matt Meyer said that they usually don't go into the room after after a game. They're usually packing up all the coaches' stuff. They've got their own stuff to pack up. They've got uh, other stuff from the coaches to pack up and make sure it's ready to go. Um, and they got called into the room and presented the puck because they did an awesome job. Because that game could have been 5-4 or it could have been 4-2 uh, with the Bruins on the losing end if, if they had not had those geniuses behind the, uh, the screens there. So good for them. Oh, they also, I think, isn't this the, uh, didn't, uh, isn't this the in-game that uh, Intent to Blow made an appearance too? Uh, on one of the goals that was called back because the guy committed a penalty, but the guy who committed a penalty then proceeded to score a goal after he committed the penalty. Yep, yep, I think that was, yep, yep, that's, that was one of them. I think that was one of the calls. I mean, one of the, the things that they, uh, they saw. So, yeah. Um, so that was, I don't think that one was, I don't, they didn't need a video review. Oh, okay. I think that was, uh, I think that one was called on the ice. Um, I think that was that would have made it like four. Or, that either would have made it like I want to say that would have made it like four three or something like that. It Probably. would have been a lot. It was, it was in the third period, I believe. Well, and I think um, something like that happened the week before too with Dylan Larkin. He committed a penalty and then scored, and they had to call it back because he committed the penalty. <laughs> <laughs> just before he scored <laughs> that was the one at the garden so yeah so that's that's happened a couple times in last week that's fun and exciting it, uh, it definitely it definitely it's something new i'm glad the bruins they also scored on the power play that game the bruins so that's something pasta had a power play goal so yeah it was a long time coming for him because he hadn't scored in the power play in a long time so I want Pasta to score even more, man. Come on. You're not celebrating this new contract well enough. Score all the goals. Duh. I digress. But yeah, they, they beat the Wild. It was good. I actually 
I took a nap through part of the, of it, but I woke up for the important parts. So there you go. Hey, I'm healing. I'm allowed to take naps. Absolutely. I'm very happy to say that I only took pain medication, prescription pain medication for three nights so I could get to sleep. That's it. Uh, most of the time, my pain was managed through ice and Tylenol. So that's good. So I'm just taking Tylenol now. So yay. And then there was yesterday's game because we are recording. I forgot to tell you this. We're recording on March 20th, which is the first day of spring. It's also Mr. Rogers' birthday and Big Bird's birthday and Bobby Orr's birthday. He is 75 this year. Woohoo! He is. Woo. So yesterday, the Bruins played the Buffalo Sabres for the second time this month. And the score was just about the same, almost, except that Jeremy Swayman got another shutout. Another one. Another one. And they scored seven goals against Buffalo again. I think that's the second time in a row that they scored seven goals against Buffalo. I, I wonder how much of that was the Bruins just beating them or the Buffalo beating themselves because they were very, very, very sensitive those those uh sabers uh you know i think that the sabers right now again like the red wings they're one of those teams that next year they they're going to be even more dangerous than they are this year and i i feel like buffalo has been very dangerous to a lot of teams this year yeah so i feel like you have to watch out for them they they are a team that is very well capable of playing better than their record actually shows but their record is not as bad as it's been in the last few years so i, I think they're a team on the rise and i think that they might have done a little bit of beating of themselves yeah it's never good but buffalo is also one of those rare teams that um has a worse record at home than on the road they're 13 19 and 3 at home but 20 11 and 3 on the road so weird so yeah they kind of got the reversed uh the reverse home ice advantage going there uh and that doesn't help them at all pasta had another power play goal this game in the third period so hey yeah it's two games in a row that he's had that power play goal so that's that's something good he's up to 48 goals two more to that 50 mark which would be fantastic for him to reach uh this season we kind of hope he does i don't want to say we expect it just because i don't want to jinx it but we hope he gets there well we know that in 2020 he would have gotten there he would have for sure i want him to get it the more he gets the the more proud i am of him also one thing i learned this weekend this games brad is up to 41 assists which is like second on the team which is crazy because he's played less games than basically everyone Right. Like, and, and he is still saying, hey, I am not up to where I need to be. And he knows. It. Yeah. And he's still playing at a point per game right now. He's got 61 points in 61 games. So, yeah, he's he's insane. He's I, you know, I don't know if I want to say he's underrated because I think that I think people, uh, you know, around the league, they know exactly how dangerous he is. He was doing all this stuff on basically no hips. <laughs> yeah. And now he's gotten fixed, but it's still going to take him. Like, he's probably not going to be right until next training camp. Uh, yeah, that's just how sure. these injuries go. So it's like, 
he's not a hundred percent and he's a, a point of game. It's insane. Absolutely insane. And I love it. Keep doing you, Brad. I just love Brad so much. I do. I do too. He's great. So I also have a couple things happen over the week. Bruins related. Okay. I actually made a little bit of an announcement on Twitter. I don't know if you saw it. I, I did. I didn't only because like Twitter and I are just weird. My my Twitter, and my phone just never loads right. So I never see anybody that I care about. Okay, go ahead. That's fair. Um, so as we as people who listen to the show now, I have my guys that I give unwavering support to. Mm-hmm. Um this season going into the year, it was no sec for sure and yep. Walmart. Mm-hmm. Um those were my two guys. And I generally don't add to the list mid-season. But given the fact that this has been such a special year, I decided that adding to the list of guys mid-season on top of Thomas Nosek and Linus Ulmark was necessary. Oh. So I've added two guys to the list officially. One of which is a guy uh, that we traded for who has been fantastic since he's come over, and that's Dmitry Orloff. Oh, okay. All right. Yep. I officially added him to the guys list. I want him in Boston for the next 75 years. I love him, and he's great. The next guy is a guy that I've been begging to get more playing time, that I wanted to stay in the lineup, that I believe – deserves to be in the lineup. And that's uh Jakob Lako. Uh, so those are my two guys that have added to the list mid season. Lauko and Orloff. And I think I'm just impressed with how Lauko's played. He has he's only played in fifteen games and he's got like, you know, I think like three goals and a couple assists in, in the fifteen games. But when he's in there he just looks – he brings a, something more to the team, it feels like. He just – he kind of brings a spark to the offense, to the bottom line, and he draws penalties like it's nobody's business. I know. I know. It's like something – like it's something ridiculous of like 2.93 penalties per game or something. I don't know what it is. So – yeah, it's something ridiculous. I I want him on. I want him in the lineup more frequently. I think that I want him in the lineup over AJ Greer. Um, I don't, and that's not to say that AJ Greer's been bad or anything like that because he's not. I just think Lauko's better and provides more and gives you more upside in the lineup. Well, I, I definitely can see Lauko making a case for his being on the team next year for sure because, because this bottom six is not going to stay this way. Um, I, I don't really want to get into talking about next season because there's a lot of uncertainty and there's a lot of uncertainty I'm not really willing to address yet, but they're going to have to go cheaper at some positions. And I think that Lauko is going to be one of those cheaper options. So that's all I'm going to say about that. So I think you're going to get more Lauko time unless something else comes along and it's just too good to pass up. 
Orlov, yeah, I you know what? Orlov was one of those guys I hated on the other team. Glad he's on this team. I think it was okay to sit him the other day because like he's been playing all these games, so give him a little time off. But you know, it's good to it's good that he you know what I like about him? He's versatile. You can put him on either side and he plays. And I if you know me, you know I love practicality. So I, I like to have somebody who can work either side. I like a forward who can play all three positions. Maybe they don't play yeah. them all very well. Maybe they're one, they're really good at one, but they can play all three. That's what I like. When you've got a left winger who goes and plays right wing and vice versa, you know, I like that. I mean, Bergeron's done some of his best playing on the world stage as a right wing. It's true. Yeah, he's won gold medals being a right wing. So, so that's a versatility thing there too. So, so basically, yeah, uh, I can see, I can see where you are. I'm surprised that you don't have Hampus Lindholm in there somewhere, but of course, of course, I also understand he's a star and a stud. And we, and I mean, Lindholm is part, like, I feel like Lindholm is part of that. He's, he's my Swedish mafia. I, I, I'm gonna support. Any the Swedish Swede. House Mafia, okay, yeah. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, basically any Scandinavian player. I'm going to, no, I am going to put everything on the line for. So that goes without saying. But I, I feel like with Orloff and Lauko, these guys. Just it, it needed to be needed to be added to the list, All right. guys. I feel like Lindholm Lindholm will always be part of my Swedish um, my Swedish fever that I have with hockey players. Hmm. You know, it's just like you know when everybody says who's your favorite Bruins player, and nobody says Patrice Bergeron because it it's just assumed. It's yeah, exactly. You know. So it's like, so then you can go to your second choice, right? So it's like, of course, it's Patrice Bergeron. I'm not an idiot, you know? I got my captain's jersey last year. I'm good. Because I feel like you can never give too much love to Hampus Lindholm. Not that he's lacking any. He seems to be okay. (laughs) He's definitely not lacking any. And everyone loves him. And they should. Because he's fantastic. And I love him dearly as well. Okay. Uh, he's he's great, and he's I mean he's got forty six points on the year. Oh I know. Okay, yeah. Let's talk about that. Okay, so he's got forty six points on the year. Um, you have the breakdown there because I was going to look it up, but you're much better at that. I do. Okay. So Hampus has ten goals and thirty six assists, forty six points in sixty eight games. He scored in the Buffalo game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. He's just having a fantastic year, and, and he has fantastic. He did. He's played in sixty-eight games. Yeah. Another guy having a fantastic year. Charlie McAvoy, played in fifty-six games this year, and he's got six goals and thirty-nine assists. I mean, he's got forty-five points right behind Lindholm, right? Which is crazy, and his playmaking ability, insane. Mm. It's been on. It's been on point. I mean, thirty-nine assists is, you know, third on the team, tied for third on the team with Krejci. Yep. So like, wow. 
yeah, he he and Lindholm both have been playmakers for this whole yeah. season. I mean, Lindholm took a little bit of a backseat because he was taken off of the, the top power play unit when McAvoy came back. And, you know, and McAvoy has gotten more time, uh, not more, more time. Okay, well, how should I say this? They're playing almost equal time on their two lines, basically, which is nice. We have them anchoring a line like that. And basically, Lindholm this year has more assists than he had career high points. Yeah. And that's not even talking about the goals, right? That's just, he ha- his career high was 34. He's up to 46 points. 36 of those are assists. He had a goal yesterday and it was beautiful. So it's just like this team, just all the way around. McAvoy has very quietly put all of that together, I think. Yeah, I think it largely goes unnoticed. And they've both been horses, like you said. Uh, Hampus Lindholm's time on ice per game is 23 minutes, 15 seconds. And McAvoy's 22 minutes, 33 seconds. And he had to take on some uh, penalty kill time yesterday because Forbert's been out. For the last couple yep. games so um so you know yesterday he was basically on ice with his his normal pairing partner brandon carlo which those two together are usually really really good i don't know the exact stats i know that they are both very uh in very simplistic of terms they have very high plus minuses i don't know what their coursey for or against or all that stuff is but um, the eye test tells you that they're on the uh, on the ice for more goals for than against, and that's a good thing. Yeah, um, Hampus is at plus forty five, and McAvoy is at plus thirty. So yeah, yeah. If, yeah. If, if if that's something that you care about, there is that. And and honestly, Orloff since he's come over has played in uh, in the eleven games he's played for the Bruins, twenty minutes and fifty two seconds a game. So you have three defensemen that can play over 20 minutes a game and be comfortable with it. That's pretty crazy. Yep. Yep. And that frees up your Carlos and your forward when he comes back and your, and your Clifton's to go play the shorthanded time that they need to play. Whereas the other guys can eat other minutes in other ways. I mean, because there are times where you get Brandon Carlo and Derek forward out there for five or six minutes of shorthanded time because well, the Bruins take a lot of penalties. So, sure. Uh, but yeah, uh, getting into the realm of players who are having career years, what about Trent Frederick? Yeah, he's, I mean, he's he blossomed, blossomed under uh, Jim Montgomery. Just uh, Jim Montgomery likes the kid, he, he plays the kid, and that kid goes out like yesterday. I think he had like a, a scrum with what's his name Dylan Cousins and they were still yes. like they were they were yapping in uh in the penalty box he can do that kind of stuff he can be like uh you know he can be the on ice brute force <laughs> he can be the scoring presence who you would not expect because he's had career numbers this year right what are they yeah he's got 16 goals and 12 assists 28 points I mean third liner <sighs> third liner you know? Yeah, I mean, it's something. It's definitely unexpected, and I mean, I think a lot of that has gone into Montgomery. I think Montgomery just believed in him, and that was kind of the thing. It was he just. It, it, it seems like he just needed someone to believe in. Mm-hmm. 
I have a feeling that Montgomery knew him from his time in St. Louis, even though he's never played for St. Louis. He lives in St. Louis. It's the Kachuk brothers are his best friends. Montgomery is close with Keith Kachuk. So I think they all kind of know each other. That means a lot, I think. Like, I know this kid and I know what he can do. So let's believe in him. Yeah, and I think he would have probably, Frederick, when he was at um, Wisconsin, would have probably played against uh, Montgomery coach teams in the NCAA. I mean, I don't know what the timelines are. Um, I know that Montgomery was, it was a 2018 and 2019 that he was the coach for the Stars. Uh, he was coach of the Stars in the bubble. I know that. Mm. So he coached Denver, uh, the University of Denver from 2013 to 2018. Okay. And then Trent Frederick. Oh, uh, yeah. Trent Frederick was drafted in uh, 2018. So he played for the University of Wisconsin, 16, 17, 17, 18. So there's two years there. They probably played against uh, Montgomery coach teams there at, at Wisconsin. Well, I mean, you know, I think there could be a lot that, that, that goes into that. So it could have been that he knew him from St. Louis and, uh, or he just knew him because he's had to scout him out. So, but anyway, good, good year this year. I've been debating whether or not I want to officially vote for seventh player this this week. And this is the last week, by the way, everybody can do it this week. If you can in the Nesson rules or whatever, I don't know. I don't really care about winning the, the prize. I just want to vote for the seventh player. You know what I mean? So I, sure. I don't want to vote for Olmark if he's even a choice because it's like, well, yeah, he's having an excellent season, but I hate to say it. I know who's getting the seventh player this year. Oh, okay. Tell me. It's got to be Zaka. <laughs> oh, Tim. <laughs> like, I think oh. it might be. I think Freddie's made a case for himself. I think Freddie oh, can we, do it. Absolutely Coyle, has. It, it'll probably be Freddie or Coil. I'm going to be honest with you. They want to give Coil something. Sure. But like. I think Zaka is like gonna get it. Like, first of all, he gets so much love from the rest of the fan base. Just not you. Not not named me. <laughs> like he like he, he gets so much love. Everyone loved the trade that trade and continues to love that trade. He signed the extension. He's got 18 goals. He's got 30 assists. He's got 48 points. He started off really slow. He started off slow. Came on hot once he got him. Everyone loves the checking line. Like, literally, there's not one person. Well, me. There's not one person besides me that doesn't love the checking line 100%. I love two-thirds of it. I love them so much for that they're referred to as the checkmate line by one Andy Brickley. So I love that line. I do. I do. I love the amount of crazy checks that we have on this team. It seems to be lining up to that for that to me. And I don't want to say that because I don't want that to happen. But like, and Zaka's played in all 69 games. Hmm. I think you need to look at it this way. 
maybe you should vote for a seventh player and it shouldn't be Zaka. So then at least you can clear your conscience. But I think maybe you need to sit there and think about how good Zaka is for both pasta and Krejci. Yeah. Because that, that line has really, really worked out. We have multiple scoring lines and it's not just even two. We have three, sometimes four. So that's really great. That's uh, something we've wanted for a long time. I mean, Garnet yeah. Hathaway scored the other day and Tyler Bertuzzi tried to score the other day. He tried. Yeah, he tried. <laughs> I think he, that was what McAvoy's goal. Well, no, it was it was actually called back because it was a distinct uh, kicking motion. I'm talking oh, about the, the one kicking yesterday. motion. Yeah, yeah, the kicking motion. Yeah, it was it was a kicking motion. I knew it was coming back, but you know, hey, I mean, uh, the other one, yeah, it was McAvoy's. But I think that you should just alleviate your your fears of the Zaka win and just think about it in different ways and, and vote for someone else. There are so many times where I like to focus on individual players, but it's so hard because, you know, I didn't think I was going to love a team more than I did the 2018, 2019 team because they were so awesome and fun. And then this team came around and I'm like, oh man, I don't know. I think I do love them more. I mean, Linus Ulmark fed Jeremy Swayman a Buffalo wing during their, their post-game press conference, you know? And he oh, that was him. one of the hugs of the year. The goalie <laughs> yes. hugs, one of the goalie hugs of the year. <laughs> they both jumped into each other's arms. Yeah, well, what else are you going to do for a second shutout in a row? True, it's true. I mean, who even leads in shutouts this year now? Is it is it Swayman? Because no, know, I think it's just Shersterkin or something. Oh, no, Sorokin, I think. I get them too mixed up. I can't. Well, as we said before, oh, yes, Sorokin has like five. Okay. Yeah, that's what it is. All right. Well, I forgot about all the other. Also, Dar- Darcy Kemper has five. How? <laughs> I don't know. He's got, he's got. They must be winning those one to nothing. <laughs> he's got he, he's got 20 wins and five of them are shutouts wow that's wild georgiev has four as well georgiev yeah well and so does odinger i think georgiev needed a a chain of scenery because sorokin was obviously going to take over everything yeah and and so does kokachek over in carolina has four there's a few people that have four now, along with Swayman. Mm, yeah. So today I started reading, was it today or was it the other day? I can't remember. I was reading something. I think it was Dom Alphabet from The Athletic was talking about the various races uh, to the various awards, right? So, you know, they were talking about... Um, it looks like uh, Patrice Bergeron could be on his way. He's definitely on his way to another nomination for a Selkie and he could win it for a sixth time, which would be breaking his new record that he just set la- uh, set last year. <laughs> you know, I mean, some of these things are predetermined. I, like Connor McDavid is going to get the Rocket Richard, right? And who knows about the heart because it's so contested. But the goalies award the Vesna is awarded uh by i mean it's voted on by the gms of the league right 
And he suggests, dumb alphabet, dumb lose alphabet, has suggested that Linus Olmark might not be the shoe-in that we all think he is. And I'll tell you why. He suggests that Linus Olmark has basically been on a team that has been a wagon this year, right? And that his success is might it might be just as determined by the defense in front of him as compared to his own skills, basically, right? And that other teams like uh, who are not as great defensively uh, would benefit uh, their their goaltender would benefit from this this uh, getting this award. I think he said Connor Hellebuck was one of them. Which I'm like, oh, sure, vote for Satan. Sure, yes. I'll tell you how I feel. Okay, ready? I think it's too simplistic. Because if you're watching the Bruins games... uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Did you request some media on um, uh, availability from Twitter? No, no, no. I I, I heard the uh, the Vesna discussion... Oh, okay. Okay. All right. (laughs) So my husband came in and told us what he thought about that with a big poop emoji. So yes, I think simplistically, if you say, well, you know, Ulmark's numbers don't really bear out because it's the defense in front of him and blah, blah, blah. And I'll be like, if you've watched the games, if you have watched the games, Okay, this is where the eye test comes in. You will see that his defense fucks up regularly enough. Okay. <laughs> and the fact yeah. that he can save the team. Um, where was his team when uh, the uh, the Flames, was it the Flames who took like 50 something shots on him? What team was it that took 50 something shots on him? Where was his defense there? Yeah. I just sit there and I'm just like, simplistically, yeah, you can say that, but that's not, it's not a true uh, statement. We've seen Omar get chased out of a game, have to come back in because Swayman got hurt and come back to win the game, doing just enough to make sure that the team didn't get more in a hole so that his team could come back and score and win the game. And I, I'm going to tell you, not many goalies do that ever. It was a sure loss for him. And he came back and kept the team in it so they could win it. So I don't know. I think if you say that Linus Olmark doesn't deserve the Vesna, you've not been watching Linus Olmark and you're just looking at stats. But even if you but even if you are looking at stats, he's got 34 wins. Um he's Got a 1.97 goals against average. He's got a 9.35 save percentage, um, which are all leading the league. So, like, even if you are looking at stats, like, there's that. Yep. I know that there are other stats that people kind of look into. I know that Hellebuck is one of the top five in shot attempts where he's had shot attempts against him which is definitely a product of the team in front of him, I would say. Um, I think that Umar not having as many shot attempts as like the top guys in the league is definitely a product of the team in front of him not allowing shots 
that's right. that's fair. That's fair to say. But at the same time, in 42 games, he's only given up 81 goals. Yeah. Um, he's got two shutouts on the year. Now, he also doesn't have as many games played as the other guys, but the other guys don't have Jeremy Swayman backing them up. Right. So I think it's unfair to hold having two good goalies against him just because if every team could do that, they would. Right. Like, like that's, that's what every team, I mean, the, the, uh, the Dallas stars, the, the Winnipeg jets, the New York Islanders, they would love to have a second goalie behind their number one. Who's also a number one. So Barlamov is not that guy anymore. He's not. And whoever the hell's backing up Hellebuck probably isn't either. Don't know who it is, but he's probably bad, if I had to guess. Yeah, I can't um, remember off the top of my head. Um, but I I think if anyone gets it, though, I don't think it's going to be Hellebuck. I think the only person that really would usurp Linus Ulmark there would be Sorokin. Mm, mm. Yeah, I think it. they either said Sorokin or Saros was another uh, candidate. And I'm like, come on now. I mean, Soros is the only guy that's taken more shots against him than Hellebuck. Um, so that's, it seems like there, there's probably some formula that goes into that that they're looking at because both of those guys just see a ton of shots. It's not Ulmark's fault that he has a good team in front of him. When he's when he gets the opportunity to give up goals, he doesn't do that most of the time. Right. I just look at it like um just give him the damn trophy. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it I think this is one of those things where when a player's having a really good season at a position, and this is like this at any sport, we try to find any any reason to not give the person that award. Right. Right. We try to we try to like we think about it way too much. We th- we when literally it's just the easiest path is probably the right one. And right now the easiest answer is Linus Olmark, and it's probably the right one. Occam's razor, baby. Occam's razor. Yeah. I think he's just been very dominant this year. I, I don't care if he's splitting time with, with Swayman, because there was a period of time in the year where he w- wasn't really spending or splitting the time with Swayman because Swayman was hurt, and and Swayman was having... Not a, good. Yeah, he was having a, a bad time. So I think that uh, you can't knock him for having a good backup. And for wanting them to get the time so that Ulmark can have some rest because playoffs are happening in a month. They are. And I, I think too, with that, like the Bruins were basically going one for one on starts and then Ulmark was playing so well, he forced them to stop going one for one on starts. Right. There's also talk of the Norris and how, how does this, uh, affect the Bruins? It does, just a little bit. Now, I'm going to tell you about that. Ready? 
So Dom was the uh, Dom La Alphabet was talking about how the Norris could go many ways this year. It depends on how you as a voter look at the Norris. I find the Norris to be very, very frustrating. And I think it's one of those categories that Bobby Orr kind of broke being a multiple winner of it. Basically, they now look at the defenseman who scores the most as opposed to, you know, doing everything well, right? Or being very defensively minded or whatever. Yeah, that, you know, the Brandon Carlos of the world will never win the Vesna. Uh, well, they'll never win the Vesna, but they'll never win the Norris. And that's fine. Whatever. Not asking for that. But, you know, it, basically, if you like offense and you don't care about defense, Eric Carlson is the guy. If you like a little bit of offense and a little bit of defense, I'm just trying to remember who he said. Uh, it, it was some other person. If you like defense, it's Hampus Lindholm. And if you like, I, I think he was defense. If you like a little bit of both, there was some other guy. So basically it's like Hampus Lindholm. I really hope that he gets in the Norris consideration. I would love to see him be a finalist. I don't think for a minute he'll win it, but I would love for him to be a finalist because I think he's having obviously a career year the fit with the Bruins for him has been amazing better than any time that he's been with Anaheim. And I just would like to see him get some recognition for that. What do you think about that? Yeah, it would be nice for him to get some recognition. I was just looking through the stats trying to see. And I mean, there are guys, as we know, most of the time voters go points on defense and Carlson has 85 and, um, Morrissey over in um, Winnipeg has uh, 69. Dougie has 66. Quinn Hughes has Quinn Hughes has 65. Adam Fox has 63. Rasmus Dahlin also has 63. So there's a bunch of defensemen, kind of offensively, having even Kale McCarr has 61. So there's a bunch of defensemen having offensively better years maybe but I mean I think that honestly to me the Bruins have the best defense team defense in the league and the team with the best team defense in my eyes should have someone who's a finalist for the Norris right right I would think so now that now that I think about it now we need like a a Jennings equivalent for best defense, don't we? We should because honestly. defense is criminally underrated in this league. So it's like if you have a really good defense, then you should be recognized for that. You're right, and but I agree with you. You should have a member of like the best defense should be a finalist for the the Norris, even yeah. if it's kind I mean, of like a pity vote. I don't care. <laughs> Just I mean, see, here's the thing. If you can't, you can't have it both ways. And this is where I think a lot of voters are having it both ways. They want to knock Ulmark for having a good team in front of him, but then they want to knock the Bruins defense for having good goalies behind them. So which is it? Right. Or they want to knock the, the Bruins defense for not scoring as much as other teams do. But as a team, they have the most goals 
in the league. So like, which, which is it? Like we have too much depth. We have the goalies are too good. The defense is too good. So you're saying our players are too good, but they're not good enough to win an award because no singular player because we have depth. That's basically what it is. It's because the Bruins have depth and all these other players are on teams that don't have depth. So they're standing out more. So the Bruins kind of get knocked for having depth. Yeah, it's not fair. I don't like it. I do not like it one bit. I don't either. I think, I think the Bruins will, I think the Bruins should have a couple awards. I think, I think Bergeron should get the Selkie. um Selkie. Whether he does, we'll see. They've already given him like the most all time, so you can't hold him back from having the most all all time at this point. Nope. So there should be nothing in theory holding them back now. Yep. Unless again, you want to knock him for being on a good team, which screw you. Um, second, at this point, you would just be knocking him for being Patrice Bergeron. Yeah, um, exactly. Just because it's like you know, it, the sky is blue, water is wet. Patrice Bergeron is nominated for a Selkie and exactly and possibly will win it. So yeah. I I also think Sweeney probably should get GM of the year again. Yeah. because He put together a hell of a team despite the big glaring mistake that he made back in. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, and I think that, and, and I think that, as much as I've disagreed with a lot of Sweeney's stuff, I think the big glaring mistake was a lot more Cam than him. Yep. But it's not going to be looked at that way, obviously, because he's the one, he's the GM. So it's not going to be looked at that way. That's why the president of hockey operations has a GM. It's someone to cover their ass. Yeah. Um. Basically. So I think, I think Sweeney probably gets it. And this happens in other sports and I hope it doesn't happen here. I think also one thing that happens a lot in sports, coaches get penalized for good players on their teams and they get penalized for just having a good team. And they feel like they don't deserve coach of the year. I think Montgomery deserves coach of the year. Yeah. And I, I feel like he's, I feel like he could get penalized for them being so good. Yeah, that's ridiculous to me. It is. Because if Bruce Cassidy were here, this team wouldn't be performing this way. And I hate saying that. It's very that. true. I hate saying that because I love Bruce Cassidy, but I just know that, you know, there are a lot of the same elements of the team that just didn't work the same way. I mean, think about it. You have Brandon Carlo, who I don't know how this compares into his career points you know you know career high in points but you know that guy that guy is jumping into the place he's got a pairing partner in Hampus Lindholm who he seems to work very well with Lindholm is having a career year you have McAvoy who is playing so much better than we thought he would because he had the surgery same thing with Grizzly that's just the defensive side Connor Clifton has more confidence than he used to have uh, let's see. Uh, on the offensive side, you got Krejci to come back. He wouldn't have come back had had uh, Cassidy been here. I know that's a GM move and not a coach move, but 
the fact that he's still playing at a good level, a high level is, uh, you know, definitely up to the coaching and the players, you know what I mean? So it's like, and this team just feels lighter. They are lighter this year in, in spirit. And I think that's gone a long way for them to deal with the little bits of adversity that they've had this year. There haven't been huge parts of it, but there have been some. So they just, they, 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 they move on, they move through. So I just think that, you know, you can't penalize a good coach for their team being excellent. You should definitely be like, yeah, you get the coach of the year because this team has a a lot of the same elements that they had last year. And you guys blew everybody out of the water. And this is the team that nobody really knew where to put them. I didn't know where to put them. I was like, I don't know where the Bruins are. I never once thought "Eh, they're just going to lead from the start and then keep doing that. Never once did I think that. I can be wrong. It's fine. Yeah. So I, I... I don't think anybody was like that except for Dom Alphabet from the uh, from the Athletic. Apparently, he had the Bruins be in a wagon this year. Who knew? Who knew? I mean, I it, it just happens a lot. Like with the uh, Red Sox in 2018, they won 108 games, won the World Series, blew everyone out of the water. But Alex Cora didn't get Manager of the Year mm. because oh well, they were supposed to be good. Mm. Well, no one's ever supposed to win 108 games. I don't no. care who you are. So he, but he, but he didn't get it. So like people use that as an excuse so much. And again, it goes into overthinking it where, Oh, which, which team was not supposed to be good. They had a good year, but like, you can't just, as you said, you can't just say that anyone could coach his team. Cause not anyone could. Everyone's so much happier. Debrusque. Yep. I mean, Frederick, like you said, like the list goes on. Not anyone can coach. Not anyone can. And I think that he he deserves it and he should get it. Will he? Who knows? I don't know how it is for all head coaches. I don't know who the first phone call they make to is. Wow, that was quite a sentence. But we do know that the first phone call he made was to Patrice Bergeron, even though Patrice was not technically... Well, I mean, I guess he was technically still part of the team because free agency hadn't started, but he was a pending free agent. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's like that was his first call because I think he wanted to gauge where the team was at, who the team, what the team identity was and and figure out from there. You know, it helped that he had a couple of coaches stay on. You know, he had uh, Chris Kelly, who's still kind of in a, a second year apprenticeship I guess we'll say I shouldn't say it that way that sounds demeaning but he's still a, a new coach right he's had Joe Sacco who's been here forever now seriously forever he's out he's survived like three coaches he's been here as long as we have yeah right and then he replaced Kevin Dean who got fired last year which is fine with John Gruden not that John Gruden another John Gruden uh, a hockey one, not a football one. So he, he replaced him. Yeah. I mean, the team is always a work in progress. The power play is not where we want it to be. And that was his specialty down in St. Louis. So it's just trying to tweak everything and make it all work. Right. So these things, yeah, they need tweaking every so often and other teams catch on to what you do. So you need to, to kind of move it along. 
So it, it's okay. I'm not sitting here knocking the Bruins. Don't think I'm thinking like, oh, well, they're not perfect. So ugh, no, nobody's perfect. But I'm just saying that this team is very, very good. It can do some things better. It's okay. Everybody can. And we shouldn't penalize the coach for the team turning out to be this good. That's it. No, we shouldn't. I, I mean, I think, I hope the league realizes that a lot of the team's success is because of Montgomery and the decisions that he's made as a coach rather than him just coasting as a head coach with good players. Yeah, but well, I mean, that didn't work last year, so I don't No, you know, I mean, the skill set between Zaka and Haula is a little bit different, but Haula had a lot of points last year. So it's it's kind of like a wash in a way. So what I'm trying to say is like the team is not too materialistically different. No, it's not. Than than it was last year. Just a couple of different things are different. And and now we're missing players, which we should probably talk about that some too. Yeah. Well, we know that Taylor Hall. What? Uh, well, we don't know what Taylor Hall's injury is per se. Uh, we know that it was supposedly not that critical, but it was enough for him to come back home to Boston. Then apparently he sought a second opinion, which he could do. So he sought a, a second uh, medical opinion. And I can only think that it's, it's a, a matter of like, does he need surgery or not? He was rumored to be skating again like a week or two ago, but I have not heard any more about that. Yeah. Um trying to see if i can find anything beyond that um, yeah because i thought it was rumored that he may come back like during this road trip we just had so yeah obviously that didn't happen Mm-mm. i mean the way i look at it is this take all the time that you need i mean seriously if you come back like the week before the playoffs start that's fine maybe we can get some other people some rest because you know, Krejci got rested yesterday, which is good, but you need to give some of the other players some some time off if you can. And it's hard with the cap to do that. So basically, I have not heard too much about Taylor Hall. No, but no, all I'm seeing is random people who think they're insiders on Twitter saying that he could return tomorrow. But those are people who are who have like literally under a hundred followers trying to say that they're insiders. So like, yeah, really, you know, if, if I had two legs that functioned right now, I would totally go over to warrior and see if he's skating before practice. Cause you can do that. You can go and sit in on practices and whatnot. No big deal. You know, grab yourself a snack or something. Just sit down and watch. Uh, and sometimes it's fun to do that, but I cannot do that right now. So I cannot confirm any of that. So according to according to Fluto uh, Shinzawa, he was skating at Warrior on March 17th. Okay, that was Saturday. So that was Saturday. So he Friday, was, Friday, Friday, Friday. Uh, oh yeah, that was St. Patrick's Day. He was skating then and it looks like um let's see 
it looks like Lauren Willen now, uh, who writes for Nesson, uh, wrote a report on Fluto's report for Nesson saying that he skated, that it, it, it could be the first time he skated really since the being put on LTIR. And I think LTIR, you have to miss 10 games and 24 days or something like that. Well, we're getting up there. So he was put on. So he was put on LTIR retroactive as of February 25th. So he is eligible to return at any time. Okay. From now on. All right. So he's fulfilled those LTIR duties. I think he, the earliest he could have come back. uh, It says here would have been Minnesota. So he's he's fulfilled those LTIR duties. So he could come back at any time. He was skating a few days ago. We'll see if he skates tomorrow. Okay. All right. Well, that's more than I knew. All right. Felino is they're saying he'll be back possibly by the start of the playoffs. I don't know. Yeah. Felino was more the playoffs. I think you and I talked about it a little bit last time where he had the big brace. Oh, yeah, the big brace. It's true. The the big brace is generally for stability. Apparently, oh, here's something that happened. Apparently, during one of the games on ABC, uh, March 11th, uh, Emily Kaplan said the second opinion on Taylor Hall came back better than the first and added that Nick Foligno should be back in six, from six weeks from the time he was injured. That puts him at the end of the season, beginning of the first round of the playoffs. Boom. So that's good. So those are really the updates we have. One is skating. One should be back or could be back for the first round of the playoffs. Now for Derek Forbert. Yes. Derek Forbert got injured on Thursday night's game. He was reported by Matt Porter as wearing a walking boot on his right leg after the game. That's not good. From my own experiences with walking boots, that could be a non-displaced fracture. I had a displaced fracture. That's why I got surgery. It could be a minor like little crack that they want to just monitor and have them take a little bit of weight off of that that foot and stabilize it or that leg and stabilize it heck it could even be a high ankle sprain or a regular ankle sprain but he he took a shot i believe right so right yeah that's that's not great we've not really had much of an update on him he he had x-rays and mris and that's the last i heard so they were going to further evaluate him when he got back to boston and I think he, I don't know if he stayed with the team on the road or if he just came back to Boston right when everybody else was on the road. I don't know. This is why we got Orlov. So we could have depth. And also uh, we played Zaboral the other day and he looked good. So we have some depth. We have some, some players down in Providence. But, you know, I'm not going to sit here and panic, but, you know, we've lost a penalty killer and he we lost him earlier in the season when he broke a finger so or broke his hand so i hope you get better soon that's all so i was just looking at a few things and i really 
really hate to say this. Uh-oh. Say Taylor Hall is ready to come back in a couple of days. Yeah. Maybe I don't want this to happen. I'm prefacing this by saying I don't want this to happen. Okay. They they may have to try to put Forbort on uh, LTIR to kind of make some room for Hall. Right. Because right now the Bruins have 2.8 million in salary in salary cap space. Okay. And Taylor and Hall is six. Is six. And guess what? Six is a is a bigger number than two point eight. So they're gonna have to make something work. And Forbert happens to be three. Yep. So that almost gets you there. That almost like completely gets you there. Yeah. And then you hope then you hope that he's eligible he comes back for the playoffs and then at that point the salary cap doesn't matter so you can take him and Felino off in to start the first round and be okay right well they have to really know what's going on with forward first before they make that sure. assessment oh my gosh i hate this so much right now but if you ltir forward and then you send Lauco back down to Providence because he is waivers exempt. That's that's the money you need. It is. I know. It's very hard. That's why I am never, ever, ever going to be an accountant because I don't like these things. This is not the kind of math that excites me. Give me yeah, multivariable calculus and I am fine. <laughs> because it's fun. That- it's almost like it's almost too perfect because like Forbert is three, Loco is seven sixty four, and you have two point eight. So like that it's it it is works it, out too perfectly. Yeah. Well that's okay. Lauco is working towards a spot A during the playoffs or B during next year, so he knows what his role is. He he can go back he down does. to Providence and he'll be fine. You know. And and the thing is he and the thing is with him is he's like waivers exempt. So you don't have to like like you don't have to cuz I think he I think he was recalled uh when he was recalled and he was on emergency basis. Yep. So that means he doesn't have to go through waivers to be sent back down. That means you can easily clear that money. Yeah, I don't, and I, I don't think he's played a enough NHL games, and B is old enough to be non-exempt. To be honest, no, maybe that's too. Yeah, Cap Friendly just says he's exempt. They don't say, they don't give the reasoning. It just says he is. Yeah. Oh yeah, you're right. It's it's because of the uh, games played and all that. Yeah. So, so uh, yeah, Lauco could just be sent down and then Forbert goes to LTIR. Otherwise they're going to have to like, I don't know what they would do otherwise because you can't just trade someone to create space right now because, or what is it that can trades can still happen, but you can't, but those players aren't eligible for the playoffs or something like that. Exactly. Exactly. Like there was a trade to Arizona or something after the deadline. And nobody cared about it because, well, 
Arizona's not going to be in the playoffs. I, you know what, Tim, we're not going to worry about the math. That's why they have Evan Gold. Evan Gold worries it's true. about the math. It's true. Because Don Sweeney only has a stupid economics degree from Harvard. That ain't going to help him. <laughs> no, that's that's surely that will not help him at all. <laughs> from having. <laughs> uh, yeah, actually, I don't know about Don Sweeney's further education. I know he went for undergrad at Harvard, um, but typically Does he have further education i don't think he does but i know that evan gold is also a legal consultant so i'm assuming oh. he's also a lawyer he's a lawyer who likes math okay that's not weird anyway because you have to have somebody in your front office who is who understands the legal ease of all the things right so so i think that's so he doesn't have that lots of gms probably don't have that further education except for brian burke who's now no longer a GM. He is a president of hockey operations, but uh, he, uh, he got his uh, JD. I don't know if it was at Providence college or if it was somewhere up in Boston, but yeah, that's right. Brian Burke from Providence, Rhode Island. We're a truculent bunch. We Rhode Islanders. Interesting. It doesn't say that. So Evan Gold is the director of legal affairs but it doesn't say that he actually has a lot of degree. Yeah, I would imagine he does, though. Um, well, I mean, it, it, he, he completed his undergrad work at McGill. Oh, there it is. Okay. So he completed undergrad work at McGill, and then he has an MBA and a law degree from the University of Toronto. Oh, I knew it was going to be the University of Toronto. I knew it. Okay. Yeah. Well, so there you go. Uh, so he has an MBA and that's why he's a lawyer who likes math. He has yeah, the that double, makes sense. He's the, he's the MBA and the JD. Huh. Okay. All right. Well, that is a lot of like agents will have law slash MBA because a, you want your agent to know contract law. And B, you want them to be good financially. So a lot of a lot of sports agents have both. So yeah, I maybe I, you with an MBA, do you do you have contract knowledge? Uh yeah. I mean I had to take I had to take uh business law classes. Right, right, so. right, right. So so the MBA kind of can handle that if you, you don't want to go for a JD. And that guy went for the JD as well. So that's good for him, you know. Um so he can be the director of legal affairs and he can be the uh, cap accountant because of the MBA. And, and, you know, um, and basically he knows all of that contract stuff. So there, no, I, I was not put, trying to put you on the spot, Tim. I was just trying to ask you because I genuinely didn't know. I, I assumed that if you had an MBA, yeah. definitely no contract stuff. So. Yeah. I had to do, I had to do business law, both in undergrad and grad school. And then, um, in in undergrad, I also had to take a couple sport law classes as well. Man, Tim, you could go. We got to get you working for a hockey team or a baseball team. <laughs> That's what we yeah, got to do. I mean, that, you know, we'll figure it out. Or you can work for your favorite team, the Patriots. 
Yeah, my my favorite my favorite football team. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding uh, but anyway that was a little bit of a deeper dive into the um uh the minutia of the bruins front office you're very welcome anyway i guess we should talk about the the games that are coming up there are lots of things that i want to talk about but i think i'd like to to put some of them aside and 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 have a clearer head to talk about them um sure but you know, I want to make this a listenable experience, but trust me, I have opinions on the Reimer situation and so on. Oh, yeah, I, I, I have, I very much have opinions about that as well. All right. Well, um, why don't we just talk about it really briefly? Tim, you're a Christian. I know you're a Christian. You're Catholic, right? Correct. How do you feel about the idea of wearing a pride sweater or pride stick tape if you were a player? Just you as a player. So me as a player, here's how I feel. I, I grew up Catholic. I went to Catholic school until from K through eighth grade. Um, I was in youth group in high school, youth ministry. I got youth ministry awards in high school and stuff. Uh, I very much believe that we were all created how God wanted us to be. Mm-hmm. And guess what? If that's the case, he created people how they want to be. You're born gay. You're born these way. You're born LGBTQ plus. All of that. You're born that way. Like that's not a choice. So you're born. And if we are all born in God's image and likeness, then we should be supporting them as well. Exactly. Exactly. Like, like we were told. We're taught from a very young age, love your neighbor as you love thyself. It, there's no there's no conditions on that love. Absolutely zero. Zip, zilch, none, nada. No conditions on that. Do it. And I feel like James Reimer is insecure about it. And I feel like anyone who uses religion like that, I think it's a cop-out. They're, they don't want to admit that they're insecure about it, and that's what they do. Tim, I think that was really beautiful. I think that that sentiment is very, very beautiful, and I stand 100% behind that because I feel like even though I was not raised Christian, what I do know of Christ is that he taught that you love your neighbor. And you know, I'm not even going to get into this, this BS of like, love the, love the person, not the sin. I don't, it, there's no sin here. Okay. These there, are, isn't. there are people who love people. Okay. There are people who, you know, maybe they were created, you know, they, they were born what seemed to be a boy and they decided that they couldn't live that way. And they needed to have a different body. Same thing for girls that feel like they need to have a different body guess what? It's okay. These people are not coming for you. They're not, they're not doing anything but helping themselves so that they can have loving, productive lives. So yeah, I believe that, you know what, as a hockey player, you can put on the pride Jersey for like 20 or 30 minutes of warmups. And then you don't have to think about it again. 
And we're not asking you to fully endorse this belief, although you should. We're asking you to just be supportive of fans out there so they feel like they have a safe place that they can be included in. I have gone to, the Bruins do not have a specific pride night. They have a hockey is for everyone night, which I have deeper thoughts on that, but whatever. Uh, during that night, you will have players who will, um, they, they didn't have a specific jersey this year, but they, they did the, the pride stick tape. They auctioned off the sticks. Um, yep. So, you know, it, it's something. It's not everything I want, but I've been to one of those nights and it's really lovely to see people who are very comfortable being there with their partners, their same sex partners, you know, or um, I, I can't say I've specifically seen any trans partners, but maybe I did and I didn't even notice, you know what I mean? Sure. What I'm saying is it's a beautiful thing when everybody is included, okay? Uh, if you can have, like, if you can sit there and wear, like, a breast cancer awareness whatever, right? Um, yep. Which is pink. Then you can wear a pride jersey for, like, you know, 30 minutes. That's all we're asking. So Ivan Provorov, that, uh, the New York Rangers, all of these people should be put on notice. But I just feel like James Reimer is a hypocrite. Anybody yeah. who hides behind their religion on this is a hypocrite because it just takes so little of you to make some people feel just like they're included. We're not asking them to, to you to make them feel special or singled out. We're just saying, hey, yeah, you're happy. We're happy you're here. You're included in with everybody else. Jesus, it's so stupid. But OK, I'm glad that we talked about this today because it did really, really bug back out of me. Yeah, it, it was, it was really, it was really, it bothered me too. I think that the other thing that you said, how some people say, um, love the person, not the sin, whatever. Love isn't a sin. It's literally about, about what one per, who one person, lo- another person loves. Right. Love is not a sin. Nope. It really isn't. And honestly, it takes zero effort to be supportive of, of someone literally the most, the littlest effort possible to just be supportive of yeah. someone. You know, it, it's really terrible when you close yourself off to love, you know, yeah. you close yourself off to the possibility or the understanding that other people love in different ways than you do. Right. You know, and this goes from, you know, loving your neighbor, loving gay people, loving, your siblings who disappoint you or something like when you open your heart to love and you just open so completely your life is so much better it really is and whether that's in a religious sense or not you know find that love within yourself you know and and be able to share that love with other people whether it's you know just being kind or saying, I'm going to wear a, a pride jersey for 30 minutes tonight while I'm warming up on the ice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think the other thing that's lost in a lot of that, especially with Rhymer and with people who say, who try to hide behind things like that, the exposure is so important. And it's so important for kids growing up to know that the way they're feeling is okay for people 
adults who are still ashamed of who they are to know that, hey, you're not the only one here and it's okay to feel this way. Yep. Like, I, I think the just the little bit of exposure does so much and it does so much more than we'll probably ever know. And the fact that he couldn't give it the time of day just shows how, how much, and the whole statement was bullshit. Oh, I, I, I think I don't hate anyone, but you're, you're not showing that you love them. You're not showing that you care about them. The thing that you literally preached in your, a statement you're showing you're not showing what you preached in the statement at all absolutely. by doing this absolutely it's divisive and it's hurtful and i i i'm honestly anyone who felt affected by that who was who felt hurt by that I, i'm sorry i i we we here at this podcast believe that everyone should be accepted for who they are and we want you to know that you have a safe space here with this podcast that is very well said tim very 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 well said thank you so much for that so you know we uh i'm sure we'll have more thoughts on this later but we'll uh we'll cap that right now and uh, let's talk about some games that are coming up Yes. All right. We have to be serious sometimes. I mean, we're forced to on occasion, and I think I think something like that, you just can't kind of can't be quiet about that. No, no, you cannot. Uh, silence is complicity. As much as I don't necessarily like that all the time, but it can be. So, yeah. All right. So this week, you know, now that we've noticed that the Bruins are, they're going to go on some road games or road trip, uh, not road trips, road games, but not really big trips. I think they have like two games in a row that are on the road at most now, but starting, uh, yes, you're right. yeah, starting tomorrow night, which is Tuesday night, the 21st of March, they are battling against the senators at the TD garden at 7 PM. Hopefully that is a, oh, it is a Nesson game. So that's good because uh, I don't need any TNT in my life. I still love them as people. I just don't love their broadcast. That's fair. And then on the 23rd, which is Thursday, they we are going to meet up with the Montreal Canadiens, which for which seems like not enough times this year. Not enough times. As and seven- we still have another one at the end of the year. Like, it's crazy that we haven't played in Montreal that much so far. I know, I know. Um, so that's a 7 p.m. start on Thursday. It's also a Nesson. Uh, on the 25th, which is a Saturday, in another uh, of a long line of traditional matinee games on Saturdays, it's a 1 p.m. start with the Tampa Bay Lightning coming in. And this game is on NHL Network and Nesson. So we'll get it nesting in this part. Um, But, you know, I think this has got to be like the last time that we, yeah, this is the last time we we go against them. I think the series is like, is it like? 2-1? 2-1, yeah. 
So I it, think that's it, what it is. Yeah, it's at the Garden. So hopefully the Bruins will win this one. And then on Sunday, we have uh, Sunday the 26th, we have a road game against the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, it's oh. a 5 p.m. start. Uh, that's annoying. And it's on Nesson. Yeah, I'm not really uh, I'm not really a fan of this because I hate the Canes, as we all know. But anyway, let's think about this. So we've got the Senators, the Habs, the Lightning, and the Canes. Three of those games are home games. One is away. <sighs> okay. You know what? I, 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 um, I think I got it. I got it. Whenever you're ready. Okay. I'm just going to go 4-0. Okay. I, uh, Carolina has lost Svechnikov for the year. That's true. They didn't do too much at the, the deadline to replace parts that they needed to. And they had a lot of money, which is curious. And I just think that they've fallen on some hard times. So I don't, I'm not that intimidated by them. I'm going to say the Bruins are going to win that one for sure. And the other games, I just feel like, I hope the Bruins don't come out slow against the Senators. Uh, the Habs, I think they'll just handle them pretty well. And, um, and the Lightning, it, it, you know, just because I'm an optimist, I'm going to say the Bruins win that one at home. You know what I mean? So what do you think, Tim? So I think I think three and one. The only reason why I see them losing to Carolina is it's the second half of the back-to-back. And that's that's not easy, especially when you're going from home to road. Um, I don't I don't necessarily like that. And if I had to bet, I'd bet that like the Bruins themselves see that as a scheduled loss. Mm-hmm. Um so and, and and it's not one like the, the hurricanes don't necessarily scare me or anything like that. I just think it's one of those games that is easy to lose. Assuming, although the way Swimming's playing, assuming Swimming will play that game because I assume they'll go Umark for Ottawa, Swimming for Montreal, Umark for Tampa, and Swimming for Carolina. I yep, assume that, yep. that anything's possible with the way. Swayman's playing right now. He's playing very well, but I'll say that's a scheduled loss as of right now. All right. I think that's fair enough. I mean, I had to think about it for a little bit and I just decided to go differently and that's fine. We can have differing opinions and that's what makes it fun. You know, it is. So, all right, there we go. I think we've talked about a lot of things. So I think that it's time to probably wrap it all up, Tim, in a nice neat bow. Sounds good to me. All right. You've been listening to Barely on Topic, a podcast for Boston Bruins fans by Boston Bruins fans. And you can find us all over the place, really. You can listen to us just about anywhere, really. But uh, our home base is SoundCloud, of course. And you can talk to us at uh, Barely on Topic on Twitter, at Barely on Topic Podcast on um what's it called facebook yes or at our individual uh twitter handles boy i'm losing my brain uh i am at va from ri i am at tim a richardson uh jeff is at dr hand grenade with aid at the end 
Uh, Nick is at Nick Baggio, and our sometimes fill-in Mandy is at Phony Mahoney with uh, just the EY with Phony. Yes. Very good. Wait a minute. Tim, uh, I think that Boomer has something to say. One moment. Okay, he doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) Ready? Thank you. 